ready? You ready? All right, we're getting ready this series. Thank you so much for joining us. We are in week two of A Storm is Coming, and we're going to be exploring throughout this fall how we can be ready for whatever life throws our way. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go on Spotify, YouTube, the Branches app, branches.tv. Uh, you, don't, you can pick one. You don't have to go to all of them. Uh, good stuff there, so you could. Um, but you go to one of those, check out last week's message, because we really laid the foundation for this entire series. And if you missed it, quick little recap here. We talked about how uh, Jesus revealed his upside-down kingdom, uh, specifically Matthew 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And when he did this, and why they call it upside-down kingdom, it's simply because uh, Jesus, as the son of God, the creator of the universe, uh, kind of knows how things work or how we're supposed to how they are supposed to work. So when he showed up to earth, he's like, look, you guys are doing it wrong. Even the religious people who thought they were doing it right and they claimed that they were doing it right, he's like, this is not how it should be. And he comes and flips the script completely. It's a beautiful, beautiful text, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. You should read it like today if you haven't already this week. It's phenomenal. He goes and does, says all these things that are completely contrary to like human nature and sinful nature. Like it's just completely backwards. He's like, hey, you want to be, you want to be the best, you have to be the worst. Like you want to be uh, lifted up in honor, you have to be the servant of all. And then he like modeled this for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful text. So, um, and through that, at the end of it, he wraps it all up and he says, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, like the wise man who built their house on rock because when the storms came, the winds blew, the rain came down, the house stood. Why? Because it was built on a rock, something worth being anchored to. And of course, the flip side of that is the foolish person who hears the words. And it's interesting that he says the foolish person is the one that hears the words. Sometimes we think it's just enough to hear it or like participate kind of and just be like observers of everything that the church and God's doing, uh, but not really participate. He says, those who hear my words and don't put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built their house not on rock, but on sand. And while it seemed secure and it seemed firm at first, when the storm came, the winds blew, the rain came down, and... Uh, the house fell. Why? Because it was anchored to something that gave way, something not worth anchoring to. Uh, so this series, we're really exploring how it is that we can be ready for any storm that life throws our way. And we really, we, we, he laid out a template for how it is that we're supposed to do it. What does it look like, though, to build our life on Jesus? And so we're going through super practical things through this series we're talking about spiritual discipline, spiritual practice. Some people don't like the word disciplines because it's like, oh, that's tough. I don't want to do that. But practices, habits, whatever you want to call it, you're doing things consistently and continually to grow your relationship with Jesus so that when the storm comes, you're ready because your life is built on and anchored in him. And it's a beautiful thing we're going to be pursuing. I just want to let you know, um, I want you guys to pray, like not right this second but throughout your daily routine in your life. I'm not going to, sometimes I try to like sugarcoat things and, and like tell you at the end, like reveal it to you. This is what I want you to do. I'm just going to shamelessly tell you right now, I want you to pray. And you should pray like at a regular time each day, not because it's religious or because it has more significance, just because if you don't pick a time, you may not do it. And for like a set time, I, I even, I'm a pastor and sometimes I set my timer. I'm like, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes because it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to think of something else, and the enemy uses that all the time. He doesn't want us to pray because it's powerful. 
So I, I want you guys to pray. The reason being, again, just talking about uh, the, the fact of life, and you don't have to be a Jesus person to understand this. Life comes in peaks and valleys, right? It does. If you're on a peak right now, at some point, in the future, you will be in a valley. If you're in a valley now, hopefully you'll find a peak somewhere, but you may be in a deeper valley at some point. That's just the way that life goes. And so often we're caught off guard by life's major things, those events, you know, that rock us. It's that phone call that we get uh, from someone who doesn't usually call you. And you're like, you kind of have that moment of pause where you're like, oh, shoot, what's on the other end of this phone call? Is this that phone call, it's like, you know, grandma has passed or, you know, my daughter's been in a car wreck or, or what? I mean, it could be any number of things. And that phone call that can change your life, big or small, it can be things like, uh, uh, I, th- I think some of the, the storms that we face are self-imposed, not all of them, but some of them are. Um, it's interesting to me that culture will encourage people to, uh, to play with fire, essentially. They're like, hey. Play with fire just so long you don't get burned. And it's interesting to me because it's like, well, if you're playing with fire, you're increasing your chances of being burned, right? But so often culture is like, yeah, live it up. Live your truth. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whoever makes you feel good. You know, it's like you, you should just play with fire all you want. It's pushing us towards sexual promiscuity. Like uh, ingesting and inhaling things, uh, drinking things, you know, smoking things. It's looking at things. It's watching movies. It's going to websites that you probably shouldn't be going to. And it's like, yeah, just do it. So long as it makes you feel good and makes you happy. But I've also noticed about culture, as soon as, you know, that, that little pastime becomes a habit and that habit becomes an addiction, and as soon as that thing's an addiction, culture's like, you're out. Like, it abandons you. It's like now you're on the margins. As soon as that sexual promiscuity becomes an STD or an unplanned pregnancy, you're out. Like you're on the margins. You're out, right? It pushes us to the side. And it's so interesting. And we find ourselves in these self-induced storms sometimes. And this story or this series, we're, we're really just looking at how it is that we can be prepared for whatever storms, whether it's you be, befalling one of these or having one of these things befall you or someone close to you that it just really rocks your world that we can be ready for any storm that life faces us. I think it's interesting that uh, the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon, he wrote this about storms. He says in uh, Proverbs 10.25, he says when the storms come. It's not if. Um, again, it's when the storms of life come. The wicked, they're whirled away. But the godly, but the godly, they have a lasting foundation. I mean, this is so significant. It's when the storm. So we know that's a given. Whether or not you're a Jesus person, the storms are coming. We know this. The wicked are whirled away, but the godly, the godly have a lasting foundation. So we're really looking at the series, what does it look like to work towards godliness? And this seems like a high and lofty and, and, and difficult thing. And the good news is, is that as you build your life, you don't have to do it alone. It's like you lean into this, but Jesus is really the one doing the work. So it seems kind of like a, a little paradox here, but really Jesus is the one who saves you. Jesus is the one who does the work. But we've got to lean into that and make conscious choices each and every day to grow more and more in him and to anchor our lives on him. So that's what we're looking at during this series. So I want to pray for us, especially because we're talking about prayer today. Father, thank you for who you are, for what you did for us on the cross, Lord. God, I, I was so, such a mess without you, and I thank you for your word and your truth, Lord. 
that has led me and guided me. I, I pray that everybody in this room would experience the same. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us to communicate with you on a daily, regular basis? Lord, speak to us this morning. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So one thing about prayer um, that I think is a bit of a problem in our culture, because if you don't have a lot of uh, experience with prayer or don't really know what it is, I grew up in church, and it was a weird thing for me too, especially if you, if you didn't grow up in church or maybe you attended some of like the high church, like talking about like Catholic church and stuff like that, where it's a lot more liturgical, you're reciting prayers and all this stuff. We can get kind of a view of prayer that it's intimidating or just kind of weird, right? It's like, what is this whole thing? Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be, like, talking to God, but uh, if God is really this all-powerful being, I don't want to say the wrong words or say them in the wrong order because then he might be really upset. You know, it can kind of leave prayer being like, well, what am I even supposed to say? And my, my focus today is really this, is that we would simplify prayer. That's what we're doing. We're after just simplifying prayer because it really is a, a simple thing. And I think as you look at some of the fundamentals of Christianity, and one of them is that we, um, that we were created for a relationship with God. I mean, if you look at the beginning and uh, the reason and why we were created, you go back to the Trinity, which existed, uh, out, like exists outside of time. Trinity is like this complicated thing. We'll, we'll talk about it another day, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like all together three in one, loving each other in perfect other-centered love, glorifying each other in perfect communion, perfect relationship. And out of that, they created people. Well, why? Because they wanted to in relationship. And they were rela- it's relational. he's a relational God. So he created us for relationship out of that outpouring of love. God is relational. So he created us for relationship with God. And I, I think of relationships in my life that have been important uh, it's funny because we have this, this book of our wedding pictures that I look back on sometimes. My kids always do it. They're like, who's that? I'm like, that's me, all right? <laughs> I couldn't grow a beard then. I look different, you know. Um, but it's so fun to look back. And one of the things that stands out to me is my, uh, the page of me and my groomsmen is like a double, like, of the book. Why is it a double? Is because there was eight of them. Um, and one of me, so there's nine of us up there, you know, which is a lot. I didn't think it was a lot because I had my homies, like at that age, I was 22. Like I had my tight group. We met like every week together. People would always say, well, that's just a huge group of friends. I'm like, yeah, it's what we have. and We love each other. We're all good friends. So I wanted them to celebrate in that day with me. My wife's like, I have like four good friends and that's pushing it. And you have four sisters, so that helps. So she was just like grabbing ladies off the street being like, hey, be my wedding, please. So I don't look like we're outnumbered with my husband's posse, you know. And uh, so we, we did the wedding thing, and now I, that was 14 years ago almost, which is crazy to think about. Now I'm old enough to where I can look back in my life and be like, wow, uh, we used to be close, and we're not close anymore. And so I don't hang out with many of those groomsmen anymore. Actually, a couple of them are here, though. Um, but most of them I don't hang out with, and I don't even see. Some of them I haven't seen in probably seven, eight years at least. And every once in a while, I'll run into them or we'll like have a quick conversation on the phone or something like that. And it's not the same. Why isn't it the same? Why do you think it's not the same? It's because we don't talk. Like how are you supposed to have a relationship if you don't talk? We, we don't talk anymore, so there's not that commonality. The relationship hasn't been uh, cultivated. It hasn't been grown at all because we don't, Talk. And, and really, when you think about it, when, our, when it comes to our relationship with God, how would we expect it to grow if we don't communicate? 
you wouldn't take that approach with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You wouldn't take that approach with your parents. If you want a better relationship with your parents, I don't know how many kids, that, that, that becomes a thing when you turn like 18, 19, your parents get cool again. And then you want a relationship with them, you know, but you wouldn't expect that to grow unless you talk. When it comes to your spouse, like how are you supposed to grow a relationship? It's communication, my wife tells me over and over and over and over again. She's a quality time person. We're getting through it. Um, but it's communication is absolutely vital. With my kids, and I look at them, it's like, how am I going to grow this relationship? That's so important. It's, we have to communicate. And when we look at prayer, and prayer is simply talking to God. I mean, that's really just simplifying it down to brass tacks, easy and quick. It's talking to God. And really, as I look throughout Scripture, the win is the prayer. The win is not how you say the prayer or how eloquent or how good it sounds. Like, it's good if it's a good, eloquent prayer or it's not, and you're stumbling over your words. It's good if you're, like, eloquent or if you're, like, ugly crying and you're like, God, God, like, why? I mean, read the Psalms sometime. It's powerful. Josh shared that amazing Psalm, one of my favorite bits of Scripture in the entire Bible is Psalms 23. And I was just looking during worship. What Psalms 22 starts out with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words that echo on on the cross by Jesus himself, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And and to me, that just shows that God wants to hear it. Like, good or bad, let him know. And I had this thing, this view of prayer. It's like, uh, I got to, like, put my best face on for God. I have to be like, God, I'm pretty good, but I could use some help with this. I'm pretty, let's not talk about me. You're good, God, which which is good. But at the same time, I'm like, no, be vulnerable. I was just encouraging a friend this last month who's going through something just hellish and awful and difficult. And I'm like, man, just let God have it. Like, have you, have you given your per, yourself permission to just tell God how it is that you're feeling, what's going on? Because ultimately, again, the, the win is the communication. Because you're not giving up on that communication. You're still leaving the, the ultimate result in his hands, but you're like, look, I don't understand this. Help me understand this. I feel abandoned. I feel r- ruined right now. Just like, let him have it. Again, the win in prayer is just the communication. You got to do it. We got to be talking. Um, We talked about the Apostle Paul a few weeks ago, Uh, one of the primary authors in all of the Bible, well-known, well-written, or well-read author. Paul, incredible, incredible man. He wrote this to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And I think it's interesting. He's speaking to uh, a church that's very young, I mean, the church as a whole was very young at this time. Uh, They were facing persecution all over from the Jews, from from the Romans, all of it. It was a difficult, difficult time. And he's like, hey, I know you're in the valley already right now, but guess what? The day of the Lord's coming. It's going to become like a thief in the night. These peaks and valleys are real. He says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as pains of uh, uh, labor pains of a pregnant woman. Like, that's quick. And they will not escape. He's like, you think the valley that you're in now, just wait till the day of the Lord comes. Like, be ready for this. And he goes on to explain, like, hey, these are the things that you can do to be ready. And amongst them, and I think primarily in them, is this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where Paul says, never stop praying. He's like, the valleys are coming. And the valley that you're in right now may become a deeper valley whether it's self-imposed by your own pride and you doubling down or just life circumstances coming at you when the hits just keep coming. He says, in light of all this, don't stop praying. 
Keep an open line of communication. I used to read this, and I used to think, well, I have to pray every second of every day. That's impossible, so I just write it off. I'm like, yeah, you're just talking in hyperbole, Paul. I can't possibly do that, and I read more into it, and it's like that's not even what it's saying. What it's saying is no matter how bad things get, no matter how difficult your life becomes, no matter if God answers the prayer in which you asked it or he doesn't, and he's like all through all of it, never stop praying, never give up. And I think one of the other things that he means by this is this, is that prayer can happen anytime and anywhere. It's not like you have to be at church. You don't have to be in a small group. You don't have to be next to someone else, although that's great. Um, You can be by yourself anytime, anywhere. And I would encourage all of us to understand and know that, to be continually aware that we are in the presence of God and that we can talk to him and we should talk to him frequently, regularly throughout the day. And another thing this looks like, I think, is that um, we just need to be intentional about it. And and for me, it's like one of the ways that I started growing my prayer life, because I had this thing where I'd wake up. I don't know. Do you you guys wake up at like 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes? It's like where you've gotten just enough sleep to not be as tired as you were the night before, but not nearly enough sleep to do the next day. But what inevitably happens, you grab your phone or, you know, something comes into your mind from that was difficult from the day before or something that you have to do that day that begins just spiraling in your mind. You begin to worry. And that used to just wreck my sleep, wreck my peace. It set me up for failure the next day. It was just the worst. And so what I did is I started turning that worry, and I said each time that little worry thing comes in my mind, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And it was especially easy at night because there weren't as many, you know, you're laying in a dark room, and and I'm just like, you know what, I, I don't have a lot of options right now, but one thing I can do is to pray. So I began turning those worries to prayer, and Paul encourages us to do this in Philippians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So we turn those worries into prayer. He says, then, this is the promise that I don't think we can ignore. Then, he says, then you will experience God's peace. It's not the world's peace. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ." Jesus. And what he's saying here is use worry or worry as a signal to pray. What if we did that? I mean, what if we did that? If we pulled that off, are you kidding me? That would change the entire makeup of your family, your life, and this church. Use worry as a signal to pray. And you can use all sorts of things as a signal to pray. Those things that you can't control that come at you in your life, it's like, I'm going to pray for them. Instead of just dwelling on it, I'm going to pray about it. It's a powerful, powerful thing. The final thing that prayer does, at least for the sake of this morning, is this, is that prayer reminds us who we are. And I think this is vital in a culture where we're, we're obsessed with identity. And it's like, where are we supposed to go with this? Who am I? And we, 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 we try to develop it ourselves and come up with our own construct and like, who are we? And I'll live my truth and you live your truth. And we have the truth, which is the word of God. And we look at that and, and I just see something different, especially as we look at Matthew chapter 6 in the same Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is revealing to the people. Um, he, he describes to his disciples, he describes to the people listening, he says, this is how you should pray. And he begins doing this. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's like, well, that's big. Um, And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I I don't think I get into prayers very often that far before I'm asking for something already. And I think it's interesting that Jesus is like, look, 
That's not how you start out. Like recognize who you are in relationship to God because there's something so powerful in that. It's this recognition that I'm good or that you're God and that I'm not. That you know the answer to this, that you hold all of this in your hands and, and, and I don't. Know who you're dealing with. Prayer tells us who we are. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so to talk about prayer a little bit more, I'm going to invite my friend Jonathan up. Jonathan, would you come join me, please? You guys can give him a hand. He's a good guy. So I said during the series I was going to invite people up um, who I think do some of these things particularly well, uh, some of these habits we're talking about, disciplines. And I know prayer is something that you've been on your, uh, that's been on your heart for quite some time now, and that's something that you've brought an emphasis to with you here at Branches. But just give us a little bit of background about you before we get into that. Okay, so first of all, I'm a product of prayer. Um, my life began in this church actually many, many years ago. Um, and as a rebellious youth who'd left, my parents didn't even really know where I was for a time. Um, I was into just junk, you know? And uh, I remember my parents, like, meeting in this church praying for me. I, I was told afterwards, after the fact. And um, so I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for my parents because just them gathering with other people here praying, interceding, like, crying out to God because they, I mean, they... If any of you have been through any of that, like prayer works, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about what does your, like, daily prayer life look like? Yeah, so many years ago, I just, just kind of had this thing where I knew I was supposed to get up in the morning. There's some scriptures that kind of point at that, too. Like, early in the morning will I seek you, Lord, like from the Psalms and and so I just, I, I knew to put that into practice, and I'm a morning person anyways, so it's not like a huge stretch, but um, it is a discipline that I've tried to cultivate, similar to how we would wake up and go work out, or we'd wake up and do something. Um, this is something very practical that will feed, it has fed me spiritually, and um, when I get up, um, I've told Timmy this before, I've gone through seasons of my life where um, just through my own trials that I've gone through, own hardships, where I'll literally get up in the morning and be like, where are you, God? I don't feel you right now. I know you're there, but I, I don't. And I'll even be like really down and, and depressed and just searching for God. And he's been so faithful, like almost, I don't want to say every single morning, but most he, he'll reveal himself to me in his presence. And I'm like, okay, there you are. I feel you. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like. And, you know, I'll usually get out the word and read through the word some, and that'll, incur, that'll feed me, um, my spirit. And um, I'll pray the word, because that's another way you can pray, is you can just pray the word over yourself, over your family, over others that you um, care about. Yeah, so that's good. So probably safe to say that doing it in the morning kind of sets the stage for the rest of the day. Is that kind of sets a foundation? For sure. Awesome. And uh, something that I, that's been on my mind, too, is just, uh, I, like you said, I, something you touched on, just doing it in the morning is kind of your thing, like generally, and getting not, yeah, setting that foundation for the rest of the day. But I think it's important, too, just to, to pray um, at a consistent time of each day, not out of, like, religious duty, but just so you do it, 
Um, I, I know, like you said, the analogy with working out. I work out early in the morning because if I don't, the day gets away from me. And then I forget or I don't make time for it. So if I don't make a time for it, and I do make time for God in the morning as well. I do both. I get up really early to do that workout and, and Jesus time. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the day can get away from from you, if you don't like establish that, make it a priority, an intentional thing. So that's good. Um, I know. Again, prayer has been on your heart uh, a lot, and so in your mind, if if a church like Branches or just our community or a group of people would commit to regular prayer, what what kind of impact would that have on their lives and in the community? So, this is an indirect answer to that, but. There's a scripture that says this is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ. And that knowing is, it comes through prayer. Prayer is one of the ways we know God. Not just we can read the word and we can know about him. Well, when we spend time praying, um, and really you already touched on it, but not posturing ourselves like, okay, I have to get all cleaned up. I got to, you know repent and confess all this all the junk you know whatever and then i go to the god no just we go to him right now um what was your question again sorry what would it look like in the community (laughs) if we adopted prayer as a practice um we would know god and that's where i was going we we don't want to just be a church we don't want to be um If we are going to, uh, okay, there's another scripture I was thinking of, and it was, um, the world will know that God the Father sent Jesus Christ, and Jesus is who he says he is, the Savior of the world, by our love for one another. And just this, this way that we love one another, we pray together. And if we learn to do that, um, Things will happen. Good yeah. things will happen. We were, pray- we were singing a song about, you know, God save our city, deliver our city. And we all want to see that. We yeah. want to see this city lit up for Jesus. So um, part of that is prayer. It's safe to say it's, it would be a game changer. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I like game changers. I'm a big fan. So let's, let's be game changers. Um, so you head up a couple uh, prayer uh, like corporate prayer times here at Branches. Walk, walk us through what those look like. Sure. So there's, there's three. There's on Sunday mornings, we meet here before the service at like 745. Just Over to, here in the prayer room. Yep, yep, in the prayer room in the corner there. And um, that time's just set aside to pray for all of us as we're coming together and even um, praying to re- that roadblocks would be removed so people that, that sh- want to come or share they would be able to make it and God would help them get here. Um, and then just hearts and minds be softened and prepared for the word um, to grow. Uh, after the service, we meet right over on the end of the stage and um, we're always there just to pray for any of you guys, for anything you may be going through um, in your family, personally, etc. cetera. Uh, and you'll be here today. I'll be here today, yeah. right after this. Shameless um, plug, let's go. <laughs> And then Thursdays, we gather right here in this room uh, to pray. And that is, it's not super structured. Um, and we basically just show up. There's a group of us, and it's open. You can come anytime. You can stop coming anytime. I'd encourage you to come, though. It's, it's good. Uh, it's one of my and my wife's favorite nights of the week. We alternate who goes. And yeah. It's, it's so encouraging. And yeah. 
And so it, you never really know what it's going to look like. And we sometimes we're praying for one another. Sometimes we're praying for the church. It, it's uh, so it stays interesting in that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, um, and I just want to thank you just for um, really bringing again that emphasis of prayer to this church. Uh, as two years ago, I was. Uh, not the pastor here. We, my wife and I were overseas um, doing some mission work, and I remember it just one of the speakers who was there talked about how, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, <coughs> now it sounds like I'm going to cry, but I'm actually not. I just got something in my throat. I can cry. Thank you, Sandra. Um, but one of the speakers said that prayer isn't just uh, part of the ministry, but it is the ministry. And I was like, shoot. Well, even if that's half true, I haven't been giving it enough, um, I guess, enough power in my own life and just my even view of if I were to lead a church someday, like what role would prayer have in it? And I think that was two years ago I reached out to you. I, I apologize for um, not taking prayer as seriously as I had. And then a year later, you reached out to me and said, hey, then this was last fall, like, let's get together. You, myself, and Austin began meeting, and you really started bringing that emphasis to it. To, to my life, and then uh, when you started coming back to branches here earlier this year, again, it's just been, uh, I, I've felt like it's been like a light switch for the church and for myself and for the ministry. And so I can see just the, the power of prayer at work in a church. Um, and again, I think just even going back to uh, prayer and how it can seem like this mystic, like crazy, difficult, like intimidating thing. I, and again, that to me, that's just the enemy at work because he doesn't want it to happen because he knows it's powerful. I, I make that, it sounds like a joke, but every time I'm like, you set a timer, get on your knees and pray for five minutes and just watch what happens. Your phone will blow up, cat will knock over a vase in the kitchen, someone will knock at your door, a tree branch will fall over. Like it's the weirdest thing because it's like, it's like or a million things will come to your mind. It's just like everything but actually communing and, and talking and being relational with God. Because, that, I mean, that's how powerful it is. And so it's, it's necessary, again, that we take time throughout our day um, to pray on a consistent basis. And it does it change me, change you, and I want to see it change this church and our community. So let's, uh, let's commit to that as a church. Jonathan, would you pray for us just in light of all this? Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church, and you are the life of it, and help us to um, feed on you, and remind us that you, the living God, live inside of us, and um, you're calling us to uh, commune with you, communicate with you, to hear you, listen to you, and um, walk with you. So help us to do that, Lord. We can't do it on our own. Uh, we need your Spirit's help. I just pray that you'd help us to grow as a church in prayer and, um, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming today, Branches. Bless you. Have a great week. We will see you next time. Make sure to get out there and pray this week. Have an awesome week.